0: Blockchain Advisor is the go-to podcast that bridges the gap between traditional investing and digital assets. The podcast covers a wide range of topics including stocks, bonds, and commodities, the cryptocurrencies listed on Coinbase, and the Grayscale Investment Trusts. We're going to help you build an elegant portfolio of digital assets from the perspective of an options market maker and registered investment advisor. My name is Bill Uliveri, and I'm the Blockchain Advisor. doing another episode of the blockchain advisor today we have with us the ultimate technician the ultimate technician uh my friend and compadre that i've known since 1986 from the days of the trading floor the options pit chicago board options exchange the ultimate technician i am so thrilled to have a conversation with him today because we're going to talk about the markets specifically we're going to talk about energy and why bitcoin is so important so Again, thank you. I'm going, I'm, I'm, since we're doing this anonymously, I'm going to refer to you. Would you prefer Morpheus from The Matrix, Neo <laughs> as the one, or <laughs> Professor X?
1: <laughs> well, I definitely prefer Morpheus to Professor X.
0: Okay, so Morpheus, let's just call you that for now. Tell me, give us a little bit of background of your, your growing up, maybe some of your hobbies, your love of music, philosophy, what it was like growing up in New York.
1: Well, yes, from New York, New York City. And in New York City, uh, the, the son of uh, immigrant parents who had absolutely nothing, dirt, the scrounge of the earth living in a very poor town. We came from nothing and um, somehow my father who had the most unbelievable work ethic instilled that in his three children. And my brother, myself and my sister, we uh, we became just like him, I guess. And um, we just worked the F out of, I mean, we just worked. It, it was all about work. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what we did, cleaning toilets, shoveling out, you know, walk-in refrigerators or such things, um, work was more valuable than money. It didn't matter how much money we earned. It only mattered how hard we worked. Mm-hmm. He would say things to us like, uh, we have to sleep at night, And if we don't work hard, we won't be able to sleep at night. So there it is. So that's how, that was the start in New York. Now I can't get into the, there there were crazy things in New York growing up, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, things that would end up, you you would never believe, if I told you the stories, you would never believe them, but I'm going to jump forward Mm -hmm. uh, as a, you know, as a youngster, I wanted to be a musician. Music was, uh, well, first First, uh, playing baseball was my my first love. Uh, uh, torn cartilage later on, and back then there was nothing. You know, we, we didn't have this incredible surgery that we have today. Uh, that was a career finisher. I decided to become a musician and I became a, a drummer. I practiced six hours a day, every single day. I drove my father and mother crazy with the noise that I made. Uh, one day, uh, my father took one of my drums and threw, them out, threw, threw it out the back door. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. It was that bad. But I worked really hard. And uh, my father, you know, he was very upset about it. But my mother told him, I'll never forget this. My mother said to him, he could be out selling drugs. And it shut him up. It shut him right up. And uh, I then became a professional drummer at 16 years old and started my way. Uh, I did have a setback when my drums were stolen from a location, a studio in Jamaica. Uh, uh, but I Jamaica, went to, New York. Yeah, that's right. Jamaica, Jamaica York, uh, right. In, in the Queens, er, right. you know, that area. Sure. And um, you know, that was a real setback. But um, my mother, you know, she used her. I, I don't I don't know if you remember the plaid stamp books. But she used to collect the stamps.
0: Yes, yes. We she I licked plenty of SH green stamps as a kid. Those, I do remember the plaid stamps for sure. Those
1: those stamps. A and P. He saved seven hundred dollars worth of plaid stamps to buy me another set of drums. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. My wow! Mother, you know, it was really it was amazing. I then went to Berklee School of Music in Boston. Uh, while I was there, from it was uh, uh, during my musical career. I studied with incredibly famous drummers and at Berkeley made contact with incredibly famous players, wonderful players. Uh, I had no idea that this is where I was going to end up anyways. Mm -hmm. So there I was in Boston, Massachusetts.
0: What age did you come to Chicago?
1: Oh, well, I'm going to get there in in just a moment. So there I am in Boston. I met a girl. And I knew that when I met this girl, I would marry her. However, I knew that I couldn't drag her around on the road. (laughs) You know, as a musician, (laughs) there are things that I'm not going to talk about right now that happen that uh, cannot happen when you're married to a woman and have a family, right? These things just can't happen. I knew that. And so uh, I made a decision and uh, the decision was that I had to change my uh, focus. You know, there there actually is a guy on on CNBC. His name is Kevin Elman, who's a real estate analyst. Mm-hmm. People don't know Kevin was the drummer for Todd Rundgren.
0: Oh, I remember Todd Rundgren. I had this cassette tape around here somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he had a band called Utopia. Kevin was the drummer. Kevin is an incredibly proficient proficient drummer. I mean, very proficient. Was. One of my favorite players to listen to is his hair was down to his rear. I mean, this guy was a rocker. He's the real estate analyst on CNBC. Check him out. Look, it might be FNN. uh, One of those. I don't look at at the news anymore. But, you know, you can check that out. Yep. So so now I met her. I knew I was going to change. Right. We fly out to Chicago for uh, I know we drove out to Chicago for. A vacation, a one-week vacation. I met her brother-in-law, who was a trader on the Chicago Board Options Exchange. Yep. Not going to say who it is, but he's a trader on the Chicago Board Options Exchange was a DPM. The guy was, uh, uh, you know, one day out trade, wakes up, he's a millionaire, mm-hmm. a zillionaire. Uh, superior oil i mean it was just a radical i right? traded
0: in superior oil for in, okay, so from you know, 1982 until like 83 I, and a half you know 84.
1: the story so I, you know the story remember that day when the market opened up a billion he had an out trade he didn't split it
0: rich it's a great way of making money but it's a hard way of making money too
1: well i won't get into the ethics of
0: what? it has a psychological impact on the trader when you, you make know, too much money in an out trade because you don't feel you deserve it. You made all this money, but you didn't really work for it. So we can get know, into the, philosoph- the, the well, philosophical ramifications of manhood well, and easy money, you know, but that's maybe, for another podcast.
1: That's for another podcast. You know, we yeah. can talk about philosophy and I can talk about that until the cows come home. Yes. But today, we're not going to talk about that. No, so I'm gonna, we're going to talk
0: about what
1: are you doing today? How did you How did you so get I, into the – so he got you down to reserve. Let me just cut that off right there with, with, with that event. So this trader – who is the brother-in-law of my, my wife, my, my later to be wife, Mm -hmm. we're sitting there having cigars on the lakefront. And he says to me, you know, Pete, right. You can strike that out. So he says, you know, you've got the perfect personality for the business I'm in. I'm sitting there reading Descartes, right. I've got leather pants on, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Mm -hmm. this guy, so this is what he says to me. You've got the perfect business of the perfect, the perfect personality for the business I'm in. I can't believe what he's saying. My response was, oh, give me a break. I can't even add. And he said, and this is what his response was, which was profound. He said, that doesn't matter. It's all about perseverance. And you persevere. And that's when it all began. I became a runner on the mercantile exchange, working for nothing. And I mean nothing. I made like $500 a month. I couldn't afford it. it was unbelievable the piddly amount that I had and what I had to do to support myself I worked as hard as I could in two months I was made the phone clerk in two more months I was made the manager of the desk and in two more months I was hired by the most powerful options firm on the planet at that time and that's how it all began now that's how it all began like uh uh how I got into the business. Mm-hmm. Now how I became a technician, how I did this, how, how I've come to wh- what I'm doing now, it began with the hedger at that firm. I watched him and I tell you, that's all I wanted to do. I was his personal clerk. I mm-hmm. saw what he was doing and I saw what the army of other people were doing. I didn't want to do what they were doing. I wanted to do what this guy was doing. And that's how it began. He was the hedger for this options firm
0: so he sat off the floor probably and watching all the trades come in he knew it our what the aggregate position was of dozens if not hundreds of Traders in all the pits on all the floors wow. he was managing that position as one holistic entity of internalization
1: which is exactly what he has to do and right. he- any big options firm it looks like everybody's just selling premium or buying premium you know uh, buying options you know mm-hmm. paying up for options or selling options as much as with impunity, which is basically what the biggest firms did. They just sold and sold and sold. So the problem with anything is that the more you do, the more you have to watch, the more you have to scrutinize, the more you have to be guarded, the more you have to hedge. Yeah. So that's, that's where it started. And that's what I do now. What I do now is do technical work, but for hedgers
0: at firms. So how many firms are you currently consulting with?
1: Right now but, I'm currently working with four different hedge funds. These guys go, you know, I think you asked me earlier, you know, like what what do these guys manage? It's anywhere from two to 12 billion. Th- this is where it is. And they're not just in energy. I know mm-hmm. you said that earlier, but right. they're not just in energy. You know, primarily if I were to say that if they were weighted in one or the other, I would say that they're more equity, okay. you know, more more in the stock market. Uh, uh, I. There, there is a big fund that is heavy in energy, but they're also in everything else. Got it. So, but but mostly in energy. So I've I've got to be very careful about energy. But the other guys are not in energy. You know, the other guys are more in equity. Um, you know, m- more in this what what everybody else is watching. Mm-hmm. And of course, that brings us to you know the markets always evolving. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, when we look at the hedge on 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 the broad spectrum. We have to look at all the different products, which brings us to Bitcoin.
0: So, well, let me just step back a little bit about Bitcoin. We'll get to that next. But my <laughs> next question for you uh, is, so you've, of course, done this evolution of, you know, Fibonacci retracements, WD, GAN, uh, uh, yeah, all that stuff, right? Okay. That's, you know, you, everybody's into that space. And
1: Do you want me to talk about that? Stuff? No,
0: no, not really. But what I want you, I just want you to touch a little bit on how maybe that might have slightly or uh, influenced you, but- it's not really in my conversations with you on almost a daily basis for the last year or two. And while I've known you since 1986, it seems as though you don't really bring up that stuff very much. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, well you, I found, you have found and distilled your own way. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, that.
1: Well, I want to give credit where credit is due, And these, you know, you mentioned a few names there and those names all deserve, they all command a great deal of respect. Again, uh, William Debert Gann was an incredible a uh, uh, man, an incredible trader, an incredible technician. Really, I think he's the father of uh, cyclical analysis. I don't think, any, I, th- I think he deserves all the credit there. Um, I, I know that others deserve some, but again, mm-hmm. but really, he really takes the cake. This guy lived the technical analysis of all markets, uh, of the markets that he could get his hands on. And remember back then in the 1920s, in the, in the 1900s, th- to the 1920s he had to do this all by hand mm-hmm. and when i started out i did it all by hand also. i remember
0: you had all? a huge pocket full of charts that you would update every single day by every
1: hand. single day every single. i was up all night you know you you have to live it if you're going to be it's like playing the drums for six hours a day you have you, you have to live it you just have to live it it's the only way to become intimate with them but even then When you're doing it by hand, remember the limitations. We didn't have technology. Everybody's got, look what they have. Everybody's walking around with a smartphone. They think that they're doing technical analysis on their phones and everything. And, and, uh, you know, I I roll my eyes. What can I say? This is not what Gann did. No. Elliot, Ralph N. Elliot, was an invalid and he was in a hospital bed when he formulated everything that he formulated regarding Elliot Wave, A tremendous pattern. Recognition system, which still holds its water today. It's only been murkied by, m- muddied, murkyed by uh, Robert Prector, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not that Bobby wasn't a good guy; he was a good guy, but he was a very proud guy. Made incredible forecasts that, of course, blew up. And when those four, and this is this happens to everybody. Forecasting you know, they, is dangerous. They- exactly, you make a forecast, and you're putting yourself out you're going to get it cut off. Well, anyways, this is what happened to Robert Breck, which is sad because him and Andrew Frost, they really had a good partnership together, really great ideas. I think that their study of a particular type of correction was one of the, some of the best work I've ever seen on that type of correction. But um, uh, so uh, that's Gan and Elliot. There were others, there have been others, other technical approaches mm-hmm. through the years that deserve credit well so at that firm looking at that hedger i was inspired to use technical analysis in order to look at risk in the market but from not just one sector but over many sectors
0: that ultimately this leads us to the the core of the conversation which i want to take and that is okay. you are one of the first people i've been able to have a logical and cohesive, coherent conversation on the role of Bitcoin in financial services in the marketplace. For me, Bitcoin is like everything. Bitcoin is the alpha and the omega. Uh, It is the beginning and the end. It is the hedge and the not hedge. It is risk on and risk off almost simultaneously. Is it digital gold? Is it a currency? Is it uh, inflation hedge? Is it correlated? So Give me your perspective as someone who advises hedgers on billions of dollars of assets. Your unique and interesting perspective on Bitcoin and how does it play in the role of securities and assets in trading and hedging today?
1: OK, well, you know, I, I'm going to mention a guy's name uh, back in the in the kind of um, late 80s. There's a, an analyst that worked for Citibank. His name is John Dessauer, and you guys can look this up if you want. If you, uh, I think if you go to bookfinder.com, you might be able to find his book called International Strategies for the American Investor. This book really um, was uh, one of the more important books that I read. Um, he was the first, to, see, I, I was working for a hedger at this big firm. Mm-hmm. I was trying to understand how he could hedge here in one sector, a position that was on in another sector. That wasn't liquid enough. That fascinated me. I'm going, how can how can he be doing this to hedge that? Traders well, are
0: notorious for hedging orange juice with S&P 500 oh, we'll or 10 years okay. with okay. copper. Like it's you, it, you, this is a skill of the floor trader is how to hedge everything and parish trade everything you, with something I, else.
1: I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you're saying because this is the art of hedging. You have to understand how markets relate to each other, but truly, not in ideas you know, yeah, we could talk about like how things work and you know the philosophy and you know what it's uh, we could go in there. Sure. But that's in, in the hardcore world of hedging, we have to have a technical basis mm-hmm. for what we're saying. We need to see a chart. There there was always a chart on that hedger's desk when I went up there. And and, and if there wasn't, he was hiding it. There was always evidence. And if we're going to convict someone for murder, we better have the evidence to convict this guy, right? That's what it is to be a hedger. You need evidence to convict this guy. We're not going to...
0: So do you think that Desauer's book influenced you to appreciate Bitcoin? Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. Desauer's book is all... His book is all about ratio. His book is all about looking at, uh, primarily looking at gold through currency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rather than looking at gold in U.S. dollars, which is what everybody looks at, what he would do is he would look at it through Deutschmarks. Well, of course, now there is no Deutschmark because the authorities have destroyed Germany. And well, I'm sorry, that, that, that's another story. That's for the third podcast, but go that's ahead. For the third podcast. So okay. uh, um, he would look at gold through the different currency, Deutschmarks, Swiss francs. British pound, the U.S. dollar, he would look at them all and compare them. And this gave him a better view and the Japanese yen, by the way. And back then, let me tell you, the yen really had some clout. Right, it did. It really did. So so he would look at gold through all of these different things. The inspiration, though, was to look at everything through everything. And that's what opened the door. Honestly, if it, if, if it wasn't for being his personal clerk, if it wasn't for reading John's book, I don't think that I would have gone down this road because that's where everything fits in now for everybody. If one of the managers calls up and says this, I always have a that for him. I always say, all right, well, it looks like uh, just yesterday, here's perfect example. Just yesterday, uh, uh, Bitcoin was down 5%, I think it was. So um Someone says something about the S&P's, I don't think it was the NASDAQ. So we were talking about NASDAQ and they were trying to represent to me that the movement in NASDAQ over the last few days because it had been down against the S&P 500, it Mm -hmm. was lower, it was weaker. They were trying to say to me that that didn't really matter. And I go, well, you know what? You might be right about that. It might be true that the NASDAQ being weaker over the last few days might not matter so much. But if it's down this much while Bitcoin is down that much it matters and,
0: and and how is bitcoin like when you first start bringing up bitcoin while it's been around for 11 years it really hasn't been a thing for traders for gbtc right. for the mercantile yes. in 2017 listed it right. when did bitcoin first come on your radar and why do you think bitcoin holds a somewhat preeminent well,
1: well, well that- it was always on my radar it was always on my radar you know i, I everybody's talking you know uh, uh, the other uh, people in the market It's not like they have their head in the sand about things that are up and coming. I mean, even Google started out at freaking ten, you know, twenty bucks a share, and you know, it's it's here. Right. So you know, someone's always talking. In this case, with Bitcoin, um, when it first came on the radar, because it wasn't correlated with anything, it didn't have any value. So, like, if someone was asking me, like back then, because back then we had correlations. I've, I've been doing this since 1992, so it's a long time. I've been with my clients for years and years and years and years, and, and so when they ask me about a re, when they ask me about the health of something, I'll always have a correlation. There was nothing to correlate Bitcoin with. So then, uh, of course, when a contract is very young, I did this for the Mercantile a long time ago. So the euro, when it first came out, this is a good example, actually. So the euro first comes out, right? There's no history on it. It's an amalgamation of these different currencies. And there's a different weighting for the different currencies. The Deutschmark was the heaviest one. So the Merck calls me up. There's no liquidity in the Euro pit. I hear that you are this and that. Can you put together a synthetic history for the Euro dollar, for the Euro currency contract? Wow, loaded question, right? But I've done this before. So I had done it before. So what I did was I took the Deutsche Mark, which was the heaviest weighted currency in the euro. Mm -hmm. I took all of its history going back to 1969, and I attached it directly to the new euro contract. I I accounted for the spread, which wasn't that much. It was nominal and created a euro currency contract. What that allowed was it allowed for all technical systems, trading systems to trade the euro currency with with a synthetic history. Now, Bitcoin would have, you know, this was a real um, uh, challenge, right? I mean, because when Bitcoin first came out, my my, there's really no weighting, you know. We we're not weighing all the currencies inside of Bitcoin. It didn't have that purpose, you know. The centrals didn't decide to create the Bitcoin in order to get people to. Oh, I'm sorry, that's another podcast.
0: Podcast four, oh, okay. Yeah,
1: podcast. Four. So. Bitcoin, it was so new. So how do we evaluate this new Bitcoin? So while well, every analyst, and I'm not the only one, but every single technical analyst, we went back and we started curve fitting. We started looking at old patterns of metals, especially most people thought that Bitcoin would turn out to be a metal, some, some kind of metal. Well, surprise, Bitcoin is a currency. It's not a metal. Now, not to say that it doesn't have a correlation with metal, but it is more of a currency than it is a metal. And that you could only determine by doing correlative studies. And and that's basically how we we, that's how uh, now I, I have, you know, if I'm talking to one of the managers, if I say that if Bitcoin is down 6%, you better be aware then they know that they should be aware. Uh, because I said it, oh, yes, because I said it. But, but number two is there, there is there are hard statistics to support the correlation between Bitcoin and other markets.
0: With Bitcoin as a currency, right? Because that's really, in the original Satoshi Nakamoto white paper, Bitcoin is a form of electronic cash. Cash is U.S. dollar, primarily, you right? said it. That's what the inventor wanted it to be, right? To solve the double send problem.
1: Yeah, you know, in the, in the beginning, it didn't, It you know, it, it's, I think there's a great misunderstanding about gold. Everybody thinks that gold is a currency. Fact is, is that nobody carries gold in their pockets. No one's transacting with gold. All right. And even if the world is coming to an end and I've got gold in my pockets, you know what? If I don't have corn, if I don't have soybeans, if I don't have like something to eat, that gold is worth.
0: You yes. cannot go to a Costco or a CVS or right. a store and do anything with gold. Let's be honest, it's interesting, but you still exactly. have to redeem it at a go dealer and there's my, a 30 percent point. spread, so what's the to point? My I, point I get yeah, it
1: yeah you know and and it's been I'm a sorry. horrible
0: inflation hedge yeah
1: I'm, you know I, and I'm sorry if I'm talking over you I, you know we've had this conversation so many, yeah. you know, and in the market trades during the day, everything's going so quickly of you know of course uh a lot of times we don't have time to represent. The basis for these, you know, perspectives, and, and we can't wait for the clients to wake up.
0: All right, let's take it a notch higher. Then, what is your perspective on like what else are you saying to your clients about Bitcoin today? It's yeah. a threat, right? Hillary Clinton said that it is a threat yeah, I, to the financial system. I, right, I, let me I finish.
1: Try, I try not to talk about that. Uh, no, I,
0: but but it still it still kind of exists outside the system. It did up until yes. recently. Now it's inside the system, which can be manipulated and influenced by financial services it, and yeah, Chicago Mercantile. Let's
1: but, let's talk a little bit this, about that. But isn't that podcast number three? <laughs>
0: Perhaps. But okay, all right. Let, let's let's call for podcast three then. All right. So let's finish this oh. up with. Uh, then my question is: In addition to looking at copper and gold, the S and P 500, QQQ, et cetera, you right. look every day, multiple times a day, on Bitcoin.
1: Right, right. So, so I, every time you said a word there, every product you said,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my hands went to the right, my hands went to the left. All right, so what is right and what is left? What is on the left is what we call risk. Risk is what people speculate with when credit is free. This is what they borrow money in order to invest in. Because they think that this is the best speculative return in the market. Great, A great example of a great speculative return in the market is the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ, these are speculative stocks. These are technology stocks. People think that these stocks can go to the moon. And as compared to the S&P, it's a better investment. Because I, I stand to gain more from being invested in NASDAQ. now. What I'm going to do now is connect Bitcoin with the Nasdaq. So, Bitcoin. Pardon me if there's if you hear some. I think there might be somebody working next door. Um, the Nasdaq. If that's speculative return, how do we compare Bitcoin to that? I cannot help but compare it in the same light. Bitcoin is speculative return. Now look at what's happened to Bitcoin. Come on. How do we determine what speculative return is? The NASDAQ has gone from zero to whatever it is. Bitcoin has gone from zero to whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This is is what defines speculative return. Now, I don't care if it's Bitcoin, if it's NASDAQ. I, I don't care if it scales off of a snake. It doesn't matter what it is. If there's a difference between day one and day 10, and that difference is positive, well, as a technician, I am interested. Mm -hmm. So this is how Bitcoin first caught my attention. So then what I did was correlate the growth in Bitcoin, number one, with NASDAQ, number two. Now, I'm not saying that NASDAQ is the only other risk product. There are others also. But this is how it begins. You know, as a technician, you're interested in the performance. You're not interested in what it is. I don't care if it's Bitcoin. I only care if it performs. Same thing with NASDAQ. I don't care what it is. I only care if it performs. And you know what? If I have something that's up 10% and another thing that's up 5%, and I've got my guys in the things that are up 5%, you know what they're going to do? You know what they're going to do? They're going to say, you're not doing your job. I could have been in that, and you got me in this. You're fired. (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're fired.
1: You're fired. Just like that show on television. That's what they would have said. You, you, I, I think you get where I'm going. Totally. It, 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 we're talking about performance. So Bitcoin, what we're really talking about here is performance, and which is the reason why we must, must, must scrutinize this Bitcoin because it has a performance record and it does fluctuate. Same thing with NASDAQ. Uh, except that maybe it doesn't fluctuate like Bitcoin has fluctuated, you know, we, we in percentage terms. But Bitcoin is still a very young contract.
0: Indeed, it and, is. And,
1: and so, what we have to do is just keep apples with apples and oranges with oranges. We do have a situation in the world that is unstable. I we could talk about that in podcast number twelve. <laughs> right. And um, you know, I I you know I, I by the way, I want to wish everybody the warmest wishes for the holiday season this is the time of the year to be warm and i don't mean physically warm but mentally you know close to our families and everything so uh back to bitcoin and and the markets bitcoin i have cataloged as a risk instrument
0: risk on or risk off it's a risk instrument for sure
1: right it's a risk instrument and you said on and off i didn't say that but no, since I did. You said that,
0: Well, it's interesting because again, from my perspective, again, being in familiar with Bitcoin and Ethereum since twenty sixteen, there is a perception that to hold Bitcoin means that you do not have a position in US stocks. You do wow. not have a position in the markets. You do not have a you are somehow outside the system. And I say no. If you wow. have a position in Bitcoin, you still have a risk position. Wow. And we don't know how that's going to go. If we saw Bitcoin decline precipitously in during the COVID 19 pandemic and when bitcoin turned around in march of 2019 um, march of 2020 is off to the races with our market so
1: exactly. for me bitcoin
0: bitcoin is like everything bitcoin is a, is a leading indicator right now in my book of well, what the markets are doing and well, i think at, that this at, is interesting
1: at least they both go up at the same time right at least we have to say that i mean i uh, uh, i was going to say that you're stealing my thunder Bill.
0: no 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 i can't never do that
1: no, no, no! What I, what I mean—I can't steal
0: that, the thunder of Morpheus. You are Morpheus.
1: I, I can't help but agree with what you, you, especially what you said there. See, what you referred to there was an actual phenomenon. You know, tech, technicals. This, this is why we're technicians. We're technicians because we're interested in actual phenomena. We need to know what actual phenomena is. Mm-hmm. And when AI analyzes an algorithm, it's interested in actual data, and and it has to be the closest to actual that's possible. When the market in 2020 started rallying, and t- in 2021 started rallying, so when when um when those markets started rallying, they didn't rally isolatedly. They 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 were rallying in tandem. This is what the technician who you know, this is what the hedger is interested in. He needs to know what's rallying together, what is declining together, in order to determine what the best edge is. Remember, when the market was breaking, the dollar and the bond market was rallying up the kazoo. Now, a hedger, a real hedger, was long bonds and long dollars and short everything else. Right. Right? So, and so contra. It, it, when, when, we have the, when we have the market, if, it, so I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. If the stock market is rallying, chances are Bitcoin is rallying. Chances are. See, we have to arrive there. So if if that's true, if what I if what I just said was true, is true, that means that Bitcoin is as important as the stock market. Okay? Yep. It's as important. So if it's down 10%, you you better be attentive. This is what I tell my guys. Now I don't have to tell you because you know what I'm talking about. But if if I'm talking to you know, people who aren't real professionals, they're going to give me the stick that Bitcoin has nothing to do with anything, that it's some kind of isolated phenomenon. Oh, this is something for Venezuelans or Colombians or or people in in, uh, Thailand to be worried about. No, no, no. Bitcoin is about the world. It is about the world. Talk to those people in Greece who overnight had their savings converted into national debt Talk to them about the importance of anything that competes with their local currency. Bitcoin is their only. It's not their only, but you know now with Ethereum and all the others. But you know, at, there was a time when Bitcoin was the only alternative to them. It was clear that Bitcoin was important, and it is. And it's not something that's. This hasn't been written in stone yet. We still have these things playing out now. It's, it's, uh, you know, again, podcast uh, 13, 14, you know, the world is going through such uh, an incredible metamorphosis, Uh, pardon the pun there. Uh, You know, we have no choice but to evaluate Bitcoin against everything else. We need to know what that correlation is. So... Uh, maybe we should talk about Bitcoin right now, right at this moment, or should we like leave that for the podcast what? number three?
0: Right. Why don't we do, why don't we leave, leave that for podcast number two or three? We'll take a break. The market's coming to a close. and I know that you write a newsletter every day now since 1992 for your
1: clients. It's Friday. <laughs> you don't so, take,
0: you work. Uh,
1: well, I, I, I am working, but I'm, I'm tu es
0: Trabajo. Much- but
1: You know, uh, during the weekends, I do work a lot. I wake up you know at four o'clock five o'clock every day and we get going and tomorrow I'll be up you know at five o'clock and we're, we're gonna be getting I and the truth is this week has been a very important week I've seen unusual fluctuations in Bitcoin I have seen an unusual
0: yes I see that here too not no, the verdict the evidence isn't yet for me but I'm still I'm still working on it
1: well you know we're, we're just gonna have to You know, I I don't want to, like I said, and I think I told you this in the past, that, you know, I have a system. I look at the markets a certain way. When I talk to people about my system, I'm not trying to convert them to my system. What I'm trying to do is to share what I see, my vantage point of the car accident. I, I just want to show the jury my perspective on the accident. When the body flew out of the window, and where it landed. That's what my job is. you know. So that doesn't mean that I'm converting you. We can see the car accident from two perspectives and have a totally different... I mean, you've served on jury duty. I've served on jury duty. And let me tell you, things get hot back there. And by the way, I want a, 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 a gratuitous plug. Everybody has to watch 12 Angry Men. The
0: version with Henry Fonda or the version in the mid-1990s with... I will
1: will support both (laughs) William Friedkin directed the second one the reason why that one is very valid is because one of the characters is replaced with another ethnicity it is very very crucial what happens with that person so uh this is how it is in in jury duty we have people from all different walks of life females males we have different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And then the tribe are always from, they're always female or male, uh, different ethnicities. And so, you know, all of that comes into play. In the second freaking version, which is Jack Lemmon as the protagonist, this is, an it, I, I really think that it's also worthy. So I, I here's the best thing to do. Everybody does a Christmas marathon. Let's do a 12 Angry Men marathon.
0: Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're going to plan podcast two through 15 uh,
1: because I there's so much to talk it.
0: about. So much I to talk about. It. No, not at all.
1: I, I can talk about this stuff until the cows come home.
0: I know. Same with, same with me. Uh, all right. Thanks for your time. And we will convene again with the ultimate technician. Thank you for your time and looking forward to our next podcast. And thanks for being with us on the Blockchain Advisor. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. The information is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. And answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities, forms of payment, cryptocurrencies, options, or strategies mentioned. It is not intended to be a substitute for specific information individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine what is suitable for you, consult a professional advisor before implementing any information presented to discuss profit, loss, and risk. Investment advisory services are offered through Seneca Capital Management, LLC, a state-registered investment advisor. The firm and investment advisor representatives of Seneca Capital Management only conduct business where they are properly registered. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill. skill or training.